It's the first Monday of the month, and it is our monthly Q&A show. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 304. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. And each month, on the first Monday of the month, we open up the time here on the show to respond to questions that have come in from you, our listening community. You can always submit a question at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. Bonnie and I will uh, look through it and hopefully uh, tackle it on an upcoming episode. Bonnie, we have so many questions because we missed last month's Q&A show because it was episode 300 with Tom Henschel. And so it's been a couple months. Glad to have you back in studio. I'm glad to be here. I was thinking about that. I really enjoyed the episode that we did about the tech tools and how we contribute to our learning using those tools. And so I'm going, oh man, back to the really hard stuff. <laughs> we got some good questions this month. I'm ready to dive in. It, this The tech tools are simple compared to uh, the questions we're going to be handling today. Uh, as always, thank you so much for those of you who sent in questions. And our first question here is from Christy. She writes, I'm currently working through the back catalog of your podcast to get up to speed on all your wisdom and inspiring guests. I've always been able to find at least one thing, either big or small, from each show that really resonates with me, including some major light bulb moments. I have those too, Christy. (laughs) My question and challenge is around how to implement those ideas and not fall back into old habits. How do we keep those suggestions in the forefront and consciousness of our minds until they become unconscious behaviors? How can I become consistent in applying these principles to actually get better outcomes? I currently listen during my work commute, and as soon as I walk into the office, I'm faced with a scenario. I forget everything I've learned. Christy, you would not be the first person that I've heard that complaint from over the uh, years of this show going, and I've experienced that myself. Uh, it is, it's one thing to know something. It is entirely a different thing to uh, act, to do it as a part of your regular behavior. And one of the things I learned uh, in teaching Carnegie courses over the years is the phrase, and we, we talked about we talked about this, and I remember learning this as an instructor, uh, that common phrase that we've always heard that practice makes perfect. And it's a misnomer because practice really doesn't necessarily make perfect. Practice only makes permanent. Now, permanent is the behavior that may or may not be the right kind of behavior we want to be utilizing. So if we've been doing something one way for 10 or 15 or 20 years, then it's it's just human nature that we're going to continue to do it the same way. And so uh, changing behavior actually, it turns out, is, is quite hard. It's one thing to know something. It's an entirely different thing to change it in our everyday behavior. So all this brings me to the elephant, Bonnie. You know how to eat an elephant, right? One little bite at a time. One little bite at a time. And so uh, I'm thinking about that in the context of your question, Christy, because I think that one of the things that's a struggle for many of us who are part of this listening community, me included, is the fact that we hear all of these experts on shows like this, and we read all these great books, and it's tempting to try and implement everything. And yet, when I 
listen to some of the top coaches out there, the people who are really masters at changing human behavior, uh, like Marshall Goldsmith, for example, who's been on the show. He, he coaches some of the top executives in Fortune 500 firms, you know, presidents, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And it's really interesting to me that when he works with people, he focuses in on one thing at a time, maybe two, that he's working to help them to change their behavior on. Because he's figured out, as has a lot of other executive coaches, that it is really, really hard to try to change lots of different things all at once. And so I think that's a really good lesson for the rest of us too, because if if the people who are at the very top of their games, the, the highest level executives and the, some of the most well-known companies in the world, I mean, these are people who have been trained for decades, uh, who have gone through all the leadership development programs, have the top coaches. If they struggle with doing more than one or two things at a time, I think you know we shouldn't be expecting a lot more of ourselves. Of course, I, I think we all should have high expectations of ourselves. But if, if you have high expectations of yourself, then you owe it to yourself to not try to take on too much at once. So zero in on one thing, maybe two things that you can really affect change on now, Christy. And our academy members hear this from me all the time. Every time we get together for our sessions, at the end of the sessions, we make commitments for the next couple of weeks, however long it is until we connect again. And I'm constantly coaching people to make it simpler, make the goal smaller, make the goal more individual rather than doing two or three or four things. Because it's a lot more likely you're going to have success in changing behavior if you do one thing at a time and do that a little more consistently and get it to the point where it becomes a habit and then take on the next thing versus trying to do four or five or six things at once. I just saw this video online yesterday, Bonnie, called Seven Ways to Maximize Misery. (laughs) And one of the examples they gave in the video, I'll put a link in the show notes, is uh, a sure way to maximize misery in your house is to tell yourself that you're going to clean the entire house today. Because, of course, that never happens, right? Uh, rather, you're going to have a lot more success saying, hey, I'm going to fold this one pile of laundry. Because then you feel success at the end, but also you've actually moved forward versus taking on a goal that's insurmountable. So that's the way I'd approach it, Christy, is figure out for yourself one thing, two things, maybe this quarter, maybe this month that you're going to zero in on to focus on. And then as you listen to episodes like this, as you read leadership books, you'll start hearing things that will support you in changing that one specific behavior. I have a couple of thoughts around this so we don't have to feel guilty about forgetting things that there may be some benefits, Christy, to you listening to a show like this that you might not have really even realized. And I know that you you haven't been listening for years and years, so it might be happening, but you can't quite conceptualize it's happening to you. And this is what's happened to me from listening to podcasts that are in areas I want to learn more about. One thing is we actually do learn vocabulary, but it just takes a while. When you're passively listening to something like this and you're not actually using the leadership vocabulary as much as you might like to, you are over time though going to be able to hear some of the same principles, some of the same terms, but applied in different scenarios. We've talked about power a number of times. So maybe you can't remember who were the authors that researched power. Oh, French and Raven. Oh yeah, there were five bases of power that they came up with. I mean, you you might not get to that, but you might start to realize, oh, there's another way to talk about power besides just the formal power that we get through our title, through our, our formal organizational title. And those will be things that can help you. And then a couple of other things I would recommend checking out the book by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. 
By no means am I an expert at habits, and that's certainly an area that I could grow in myself. I enjoyed reading it quite a bit, but he does talk about instead of only thinking about habits, but also trying to get to, I don't know if he calls them cornerstone habits, but they're kind of like the fulcrum that if I do this one thing, then it'll be easier to embrace other habits and and doing some thinking around that I think will help you. And also reflecting on Dave's, you know, recommendation to pick the small things. Thanks so much for getting in touch with us, Christine. I wish you the best as you try to think about what do you want to implement from this show? Our next question is from Kimberly. Hi, Dave. I could not figure out how to go about writing in about the situation. I was promoted into a co-manager position in January at my healthcare company because my then manager had made such a mess of our team that employees were threatening to quit and more than one had gone to HR about this manager. We now co-manage the team. Our vice president does not want to demote or move her because she is excellent with patients. However, it has been very difficult for me to get anything changed or improved because of her. She's very process-oriented, and I'm very relationship-oriented. She's very clinical, and I'm very business. Unfortunately, she is a lone wolf who isolates herself from the team and hands down edicts from which they should work rather than leading them. She's inflexible in the processes that she creates and in her thinking. If one of the team deviates from the process, that is unforgivable. Now, I know my executive team is looking to move her into another more suitable position, but I probably have to wait another three to six months for this change to take place. Any advice you can give me on how to navigate her while still developing the team would be a godsend. Any discussion with her becomes a debate, and I find it difficult to debate her on processes since that's supposed to be her contribution to the team. So thanks very much. I really appreciate and enjoy listening to your show. Hi, Kimberly. Thanks for calling in. And I'll start out by saying these can be such difficult situations whenever we find ourselves working with another person who has such a style that's so different from ours, or perhaps in some cases, maybe even the values just seem so different than the values that we have. I have a couple of thoughts on this. One is that while three to six months may seem like a tremendously long time to you, and especially if you're interacting with this person daily, I was at least pleased that it sounds like there's a light at the end of your tunnel and that can sometimes be helpful to recognize that we're leading during a transition, that this is not the permanent state of how things are going to be. And I know for myself that regardless of whether it's working with someone that I'm having a hard time relating to or just some kind of difficult thing in my own work, if I know it's for a season, it just helps me not make it bigger than it really is, than it really needs to be. And one of the things that I do for myself and, and, and Kimberly, by no means am I saying, you know, like, Oh, just get a hold of yourself. <laughs> like back to the movie airplane where they're like shaking people on the plane, get a hold of yourself. Like it's not that kind of thing, but it's because I relate to it so much because it's really tempting to allow our minds to focus more on things, which only then makes them bigger. And I'm reminded so much of Stephen Covey, as he talked about this so much in his writing about the circle of influence and the circle of control, and then the things that are outside of that. So there are things that in your role you can control, but we all know that in most organizations, that circle is 
relatively small, although if you're in a management position, it's bigger than it might be if you were lower in the organization and it held to a more formal hierarchy. Then you have the circle of influence where you're not necessarily going to yourself be able to make edicts, but you certainly can influence decisions and outcomes. And then there are things that are outside of that. And for those things, if we focus a lot on them, whatever we focus our attention on gets bigger. And this is true with photography and zooming. It's also true in our lives with zooming in too much on the things that are bothering us. And so one of the things I would be thinking about is thinking about this in terms of leading during transition, that it's not always going to be this way. And therefore, I'm probably not going to try to control, which would be impossible, or even influence a change in this other person. If we're not going to be working together that long, then what I really want to be doing ultimately is focusing in on my own sense of mission and my own sense of vision and how wonderful that you're in healthcare so we can be thinking about what really ultimately is going to be best for the patients. And even when I'm working with someone who has been challenging for me in the past, If they're in line with my own sense of mission, I teach at a university. So for me, if I've got someone that's just awful to be with on a committee, for example, and, and, or to just really, you know, rough around the edges in some of our interpersonal work that we do together, but, but I know that they care about our students and I know that they're wonderful teachers, I can really overlook a lot because I go, that's what we do. That's That's why we're here. That's why we make a difference on this earth. And it can help me to humanize someone that I've been demonizing in my own mind. It sounds like she's wonderful with patience. And if there's anything that you can do as someone who has been a patient and has so appreciated people who were focused on my needs and what can sometimes be a cold or mechanistic sort of process, just depending on what it was I was going through, try to celebrate that more in your own mind so she can become human. So she can become, yes, I mean, I've, I've worked with people. I, I tend to not be very process oriented myself and it can be difficult when someone can be so rigid that way, but my gosh, she does care so much about our patients and she does so well with them. And ultimately that's what we're in the business to do. Maybe she's having a hard time leading because she is so process oriented and isn't able to see some of the more innovative things we might do, but gosh, she really does care about the patients. But then the other thing too is Maybe try to think about other things. Are there other people that work that you're responsible for leading that maybe you could be a little bit more curious about what ideas they have for the organization, trying to carve out a little bit more time to put a leadership role toward influence the people that you lead in the organization? Can you take 10 minutes and go for a walk around the building, around the outside of the building, get a little sunshine or a little rain, depending on what the weather's like when you listen to this and implement it. Sometimes just even a change of scenery for five minutes can make a huge difference if you're able to do that. But Kimberly, I do wish you the best on this. I know these situations can be tough and I am interested to hear what Dave has to say. I don't think I have anything to add. I love what you said and I love the mindset of zeroing in on what we can control to Covey's model of influence versus concern. It's really easy to be concerned about a lot in the world. You know, it's easy to say that from our perspective, Kimberly. And if you do nothing else with it other than just change how you're thinking, then I think you go a long way for a short period of time. Now, if this was going to be five years, I think we'd have a different answer. But uh, for a short period of time, if you can find that and, and make that work 
for your mental perspective, not only does that work for you, but it also has the potential to change the attitude of the others who interact with this person throughout the organization. So good luck. Let us know what uh, what happens and, and how you handle it going forward. This next question is from Barr. My next challenge is how to deal with the imposter syndrome. However, I do have the experience and capabilities to manage and lead in the roles I'm overtaking. I tend to underestimate what I know and feel that I'm not qualified enough. Do you have any recommendations on how to deal in those situations so I will not appear more junior than I actually am and manage to convey people better? Bar, you are not alone on this one. In fact, Bonnie and I have had some of these conversations in the last few days just on things we're navigating in our careers and projects and life right now. And so uh, you know, I, I would say, first of all, you know, nobody is ever as qualified as they feel like they should be for hardly any situation. And, and if you really are perfectly qualified for the role, you're probably underselling yourself and you're probably should be aiming higher. So having that feeling of discomfort a little bit that you don't have it all figured out or that you don't feel like you're qualified enough, I actually think is an indicator that you're growing and you're learning as a professional and you're growing as a leader. And so a little bit of that's good. Now, of course, <laughs> you don't want to have that be your entire role and responsibility, but a little bit of that is really healthy. And I love what you said up front here, which is that I do have the experience and the capability to manage and lead in the roles I'm overtaking. And so I'm, I'm saying this more to everyone else, uh, Barb, but I, I'll, I'll say it because I think it's really important for all, all to recognize is a lot of times we know more than we think we do. And we have a lot more capability than we think we do. And most of us, if we are challenging ourselves and we're pushing ourselves and we're used to learning and we're used to growing, as so many of us in this community are because we're learning and growing each week and listening to shows like this and reading books, is that you'll also learn quickly. You'll pick things up. You'll ask good questions. You'll be a good student of whatever it is you need to learn in order to do something better. And so that's a huge part of this as well, too. So, so I'd, 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 cert- I'd certainly start there, Bar, of knowing that that's feelings normal and that even the things that we don't have figured out a lot of times someone has looked at us and said, hey, we know that Bonnie or Dave or Barr or whoever uh, doesn't have this all figured out yet for this role in the organization, but I also trust that they will figure it out, that they'll ask good questions, that they're going to learn, that they're going to seek out the mentors and the coaches. And so, uh, so that's a good starting point for all of us. And, and then I think the other thing is just to be honest about where you're at. Um, it's fine to feel nervous. And so I would, uh, I would do what you're doing, which is reaching out and find people to talk to, to dialogue with, probably not the people that maybe you're uh, you're leading on a daily basis, and maybe not even within your organization, but finding the people that you can have some of those conversations with, because you don't necessarily want to show up at the workplace on a Monday morning and say, "I'm really feeling uncomfortable and nervous about this." <laughs> uh, you know, there may be a person that you may say that to, you've got a trusting relationship with, but that that probably is not going to be helpful to a lot of the people you're working with uh, on a daily basis. But I would find that person or persons in your life that you can have those kinds of conversations with and talk with them. And they're helpful to give you checkpoints on where you are. And one of the things I've discovered a lot, and I know Bonnie's discovered a lot, is is that as we have those conversations, and we've in fact had some of those conversations uh, this week with other people in our networks, is that 
a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people find that they're in situations where they don't have it all figured out. And they often will be at a little different place than you are, either ahead of where you are or behind where you are. And you can either be a mentor or you can be the person who's being mentored. Um, and then on the next issue, you may be the person that's helping out them. And so those relationships are really helpful. And so I, th- those are the kinds of things, that, the way that I try to approach those. And, and my default setting these days is if there's something that I really don't know or I don't understand or I feel really uncomfortable about is to go ask someone about it who I feel like would know something about it and to get perspective and to go seek books and podcasts. And so it helps me then to have a lot more data points to feel like either I'm more confident in where I am than I thought I was, or maybe I don't have this all figured out. And here's the things that I need to do in order to gain a lot more credibility in this area or to gain more experience in this area. One of the things that can help me take a shift from imposter syndrome, which is something that I struggle with, uh, depends on the context. I was thinking about that Dave's being, I think, I was going to say kind, but he's being respectful of me and not wanting to say that many of the conversations we've been having around this have had to do with me in recent days. But here I can be on this podcast and not feel an ounce of nerves talking to all of you because this is definitely something that I've studied through most of my academic career. And I'm just sitting across the desk from Dave. It doesn't really feel like there's so many people that are listening on the other end. But one of the things that, that, I mean, that, that that's where you'll get when you become an expert at something. And when you have that level of comfort of having done it so many times before, it does get easier. So that's the hope that you have in the end is that, that you can have that reduced. But as Dave said, if you're being a good leader, you're always going to have some aspect of it because you're always going to be stretched in some new and different direction. So while this may be comfortable for me, outside of this conversation, I am struggling with some situations where I'm really being stretched. But I know that in the end, someday I'll look back on that and chuckle at myself. And then someday it'll have that that sense of being something I'm more comfortable doing because I allowed myself to stretch and to grow and to, to really be challenged in that way. So the way that I make the shift though, from feeling like an imposter, from feeling insecure to having a little bit of authentic confidence, because that's the danger, by the way, is to flip and overcorrect. And it goes from I'm the imposter to I can do no wrong and I'm perfect and I'm great at this and overcorrecting and it's not authentic. So what we want to do instead of shifting to overconfidence in authentic confidence is to shift on serving others. Every time I do this, I, it's, it's a lift of weight. No, this isn't about me. The reason that's hard is because I'm making it about me. It's not about me. It's about the people that I serve. And if I do something that I actually think serves other people, which ultimately I think is a way to have a lifelong fulfilling career, then When I can do that, all of a sudden, it's not about me anymore. It's about them. And my focus, instead of what will they think of me, is how can I serve them? And then the last thing I'm going to mention is I'm going to ask Dave to post a link in the show notes to this really short video that Chris Brogan, who's kind of big in the marketing field, posted. I saw it this morning. I don't know when he posted it for the first time, but <laughs> I, I I was laughing earlier, Dave, because you mentioned about not trying to do everything all at once. I like clean the whole house, but just do one load of laundry. And I was like, I folded a load of laundry this morning while I was quote <laughs> nice. unquote watching this video. And I say watch because I wasn't really entirely focused on it because I'm folding and, you know, walking away to put put the clothes away and all that. But 
I loved this video because if he had been formal the entire time, it never would have caught my attention. I never would have watched it this morning. I would have probably bookmarked it and then never come back to it. It's so human. And it is a video about being authentic, by the way. But then you don't want to be too authentic. That's what he talks about. Like, you know, you don't want to show them everything because it's then that does become about you instead of about serving them. You want to be authentic because you want to serve the people who you're leading. But if you're too authentic, then they lose either interest in what you have to say or they lose confidence in you. And that's what happens if we're too authentic with our self-deprecating thoughts. You, you never, never, never want to stand up in front of an audience ever and say, oh, I feel so nervous. This is the first time I've done this. I mean, that, that is so not helpful for serving the people that you're trying to serve through that engagement. And it's the same thing as a leader. I want to be authentic and transparent, but at the same time, if I'm too much of that, they're going to lose confidence in my ability to lead and to, to have me be someone they can come to when they're struggling with something. So that's a, a be authentic, but don't take that so far that you're no longer able to serve the people that you're leading. Yeah, well, then it's it's more about you then than it is about them. It's about you wanting the attention. It's about you being worried about yourself. And that's why it, Tom and I talked about this in episode 300, uh, that the four words when I start presentations classes, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And so the decision comes on, is this going to be helpful to the people that I'm leading, serving, speaking to? parenting, whatever the insert uh, insert noun here, right? And think about this from the perspective, like, think about getting on an airplane bar. I mean, I, I don't know how many airplane trips I've taken in my life. I've never once gotten on an airplane and the captains come on and said, hey, I'm so glad to welcome you on the flight today. I just want to let you know this is my very first time being captain of, the, of uh, a plane. And uh, I'm kind of nervous. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable about it, but I'm trained. I'm really ready to. I mean, can you imagine the ridiculousness of of the fear you would <laughs> you would strike. And yet, I'm sure because of all the plane trips I've taken in my life, there have been times that captain was it was their first day. It was you know as captain versus first officer on the plane, and yet they don't say that because that's not helpful to people. Are they nervous? Of course they're nervous, but they're handling it in a professional way. So transparency. For me, doesn't like as Bonnie was saying, it doesn't mean you tell people everything. It's you tell people the things that are going to be helpful to them, the things that are going to serve them well in order to interact well with you and to be served effectively, and that you're showing up and adding real value. Some person, I'm not sure who this was, <clears throat> took our son, who's five, to the library the other day and our daughter and let them check out some books. And he came home with a book all everything you could ever want to know about natural disasters there's there's a story behind that <laughs> it was not the book i was earthquakes <laughs> tornadoes landslides you name it this book is just full of them and so we're going through the book and one of them is on earthquakes and we live in southern california and guess what there's earthquakes And so I wanted to explain to him, like, yes, sometimes there have been bad earthquakes, but they hardly ever happen, the bad ones. But sometimes there's earthquakes that happen. And you know what? Sometimes I get scared. I I didn't want to tell him that, like, I've... (laughs) seen my whole life flash before my eyes but but I want there to be that like oh I'm a human being too and I've been scared too but what's really interesting is I've never been hurt in an earthquake and so we we do our practices and now they've changed what they want us to do when there's earthquakes so that really messes me up so talk to your dad about what we're supposed to do when there's because you're you used to be they used to tell you to go stand in the doorway and now they don't tell you to do now you get under the table and you hold on to the the table so the table doesn't go 
Yeah, at any rate, probably the bad person to be talking to our son about the earthquakes. But anyway, I mean, so I think that's an example, though, of I don't want to be too open about the terror that I have when, and I don't every earthquake, but I mean, if the pretty bad ones that I've been in, like, I don't want to be open about that, but he needs to know that they might happen. Yeah. And that we're all human and that fear is kind of a natural thing, but then we can shift right into what do we do when we have one and then knowing that that things are going to be okay. Somewhere there's a transition here to the Coaching for Leaders Academy, but I'm not quite sure it's the transition I intended for. When you're having an earthquake in your leadership life, have I got a table for you to hang oh, on to? I don't think that was quite the transition I was looking for, uh, but I was actually thinking about this in the context a bit of, of Barr's question of how do you get good data points? And uh, one of the ways is the Coaching for Leaders Academy. We're going to be opening our doors again here in September for new applicants, and I Actually, this does really funny because I, I got an email from someone recently asking me what kind of training the Academy provides. And while there's a lot our members learn in the Academy by virtue of the dialogue we're having regularly, it's not really a training program. Um, and I know that because I've been running training programs for the better part of 15 years. The Academy is first and foremost a strong community. And it's all about access to relationships with other leaders who support you who challenge you with new ideas, help you stay accountable, and provide you with the ongoing perspective that you won't get just inside your company or industry. And we're always doing things that we're learning from each other. Uh, in fact, Bonnie, you may have noticed there's a stuffed monkey in the studio here. I did. In fact, I had it starring in one of my videos that had oh, nothing to do nice. with the monkey and had to do with getting rid of distractions when you're creating videos. So I stole this idea from Kim Scott, who was on the show a couple weeks ago, author of the book Radical Candor. One of the uh, tactics she talks about in the book is uh, if you're leading a team and people don't talk a lot about failure and aren't learning from each other's mistakes, is uh, she talks about bringing in a giant stuffed monkey into the meeting and having everyone go around and talk about what's the biggest mistake they made in the last week. And whoever's got the best mistake, they win the stuffed monkey. And it's kind of a fun thing and it's playful and uh, you know, people bring it home to their kids. And so I was like, this is a great idea. So we've inter integrated this in the Academy now. And once a month, we have we have people posting on Slack. We have a failures channel. We talk about all the mistakes, things that we've made that we think other people would learn from. And whoever has the best one gets a big stuffed monkey at the end of the month. And so we're always adding on things to have fun and, and to make it enjoyable, but also for the very serious purpose of learning from each other and getting perspective from each other, the kind of community that most leaders don't really have in in their workplaces and in their professional lives. So if you'd like to get an early alert when applications go live, here's where to go, coachingforleaders.com slash academy. That'll get you on the early alert list and we'll keep you up to date when applications open up next year later on this summer. So let's go to the next question here. It is from Johnny. Hey, Dave. Hey, Bonnie. It's Jonathan calling from Northern Ireland. I just want to thank you for all the great work that you do. I've been enjoying the podcast for the last four years and find it to be extremely helpful. My question is around satisfaction and contentment with the job. I've been with my present company for six years and I've been fortunate enough to move up two or three roles and have a significant increase in my salary. However, as I go into the most recent role, I find myself already looking to see what the next move could be or preparing to take the opportunities as they arise. How would you deal with this situation and deal with finding contentment in the job that I'm in now, rather than continuously looking to the next step and the next step? Thanks again, I really look forward to your answer. 
Well, Johnny, first of all, thank you so much for listening for four years to the show. Glad to hear from you. And uh, Johnny also sent a, a email after this, Bonnie, with a little more context. He said, I think the key issue is really finding contentment in life and career right where I am now. Sure, it's fine to go for promotions, et cetera. However, if it's based on the foundation of discontentment, then I'm at risk for going for career changes that are unwise or unsuited because they're motivated by money or status rather than the desire to do something more interesting, exciting, or challenging. Uh, It's being aware of the self-talk that says the job pays this much or that the job gives me this status rather than thinking, hey, that job looks really exciting. I'd love to do that work. Thoughts you have on this? One of the things I like to remember, by the way, Jonathan, and you you didn't say anything having to do with this, but I just want to put in this aside. All of the studies on satisfaction, career satisfaction, job satisfaction, there is some amount of money that we need to make just to take care of our basic needs. And that's going to be different depending on cost of living. That's also going to be somewhat different depending on culture and social status. But I mean, what what the studies show, regardless of, I mean, one figure I'll throw out there here in the U.S. would be 75000 a year. But it depends where you live, right? <laughs> but once we start making above what it's going to take to satisfy those core needs, every dollar above that doesn't actually make us happier or more satisfied. And in fact, if you go really, really high up there, I know, Dave, you've read some of the studies about lottery winners. Then it has an inverse relationship to happiness. If we're, if we're talking about lots and lots and lots of money. So I'm loving that you're asking this question. I don't know necessarily that I have an answer for you because I suspect that for you, this is just what my gut says from not knowing you, this is the first time I've ever heard from you, that you're probably not really suited to be a person who is a contented person, a content person who just sits back and kind of sits by the stream and watches it you know, go by and the clouds go by. You seem to have more of an achievement oriented personality. And I think it's kind of dangerous for us to try to change our core default settings. We need to be more flexible with them. Yes. But I'm wondering if instead of trying to stop doing what comes naturally for you, as in to try to achieve could that be more reflection on what is it that you would like to achieve? Because I think that's a really good quality. And maybe I'm saying it because I tend to be really achievement oriented, but, but like, instead of it being to try to achieve the money and the status, start asking questions around that, which you are, but then how do you take that strength of yours and focus it on something besides that, but still on that achievement. And you did talk about doing things more interesting, more exciting, more challenging. I think that's a wonderful pursuit. And I would focus on that rather than focus on finding contentment, if that makes any sense. That's, you said like, I think the key issue is finding contentment in life and career. And I'm saying like, oh, I don't know if that is. And <laughs> Perhaps it's not being content, but pursuing other things besides the money and the status. And maybe that involves doing something that's a little bit riskier. Moving up in the organization is a little bit less risky than staying in the same level that you are, but moving into more of an entrepreneurial role in an organization, or maybe even moving down, (laughs) but in an area that would offer you new challenges and something that you haven't really done before. So I really liked your question and thanks so much for calling in. I, I just felt encouraging just hearing a little bit about your story and I'm sure Dave has some thoughts on this as well. 
Johnny, two thoughts. The first thought is I suspect it's not really about just the money and the achievement in the next position for you. And the reason I'm making that assumption is because you're listening to a show called Coaching for Leaders. So if it was really just about the money, if it was really just about the next position, you would never have started listening to the show four years ago in the first place and been kept listening all this time. So there's other things that are achievement-oriented for you. And by the way, to Bonnie's point, all of those can fall under achievement just being just being directed potentially a different way. So my second thought is colored by the fact that I just saw the movie Cars 3 with our kids a couple of days ago. <laughs> and uh, so this may be a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't think I'm going to be destroying people's lives too much by going a little bit into the uh, the plot line of Cars 3. But uh, if you're not familiar with Cars, there's this central character named Lightning McQueen, who's the race car. And by the third movie, he's had a lot of successes. He's had a lot of things go great in his career. And he gets to this point where he's basically like, well, what else? What's next? I'm getting older. What's the next step? A very achievement-oriented character. And the the spoiler part a little bit is he discovers along the way in this third movie that uh, there's other ways to channel achievement. That doesn't just have to be about him, that his achievement starts to get channeled to how can he help other people. So the, to Pony's point, the core personality trait that he is so good at stays the same, but he channels it in a different direction. And so, Johnny, that, that's what I would hope for you is, as you start thinking about this, is not necessarily to change who you are. You're really good at what you are. I mean, I, so many of us would wish for the talents you've had as far as being able to move up positions and roles and earn more money and have more influence and all the things you've done, it seems like very naturally, very, very easily. How could you potentially teach others how to do that? How could you take that achievement orientation to lead and develop other people into some of the interests, I'm sure, as, as to why you listen to the show? So there's so many different ways you could approach that. And, uh, and I just, I'm just really excited to see what you do with that. Did not see it coming that we'd be talking about Lightning McQueen on this episode, but hey, there you go. All right, so if you're looking for more, best place to go is online and to activate your free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. In addition to getting access to today's episode notes, you'll get access to a lot more, including a full searchable archive of the podcast over the last six years, searchable by topic all of my library entries from everything that I share in the weekly leadership guides. You get access to the weekly leadership guides coming to your inbox on Wednesdays. And you'll also get immediate access to my free 10-day audio course titled 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. I've taken the best of the best of the last six years of the show and compiled it into 10 lessons that are all less than 10 minutes. It'll give you the most immediate practical actions. It's a 10-day process of getting one lesson per day and a lot more that I haven't even mentioned. Go over to coachingforleaders.com. If you haven't already set up that free membership, you'll get access to everything there, plus a lot more. It's a great way to get you up to speed on everything we've been talking about on the show. Uh, In addition, I'd love to get up to speed with you personally. There are two meetups coming up for Coaching for Leaders listeners, uh, community meetups coming up in the next uh, couple of months here. I mentioned on last week's episode, I am announcing a meetup coming up in the Denver area, Denver, Colorado, and that is going to be on Monday evening, July 24th. If you are in the Denver area or if you happen to be there that evening, uh, Monday, July 24th, 2017, 
There's details at coachingforleaders.com slash Denver. At the time I'm recording this, we're still tracking down a location. So if you know the location or be willing to host us, uh, also go check out that link and let me know. Uh, and if you think you may be able to join us, uh, RSVP there so that way we know you're interested in coming and we'll get more logistics to you. So again, Monday, July 24th, coachingforleaders.com slash Denver. And I'm also pleased to announce a meetup coming up here in Orange County, California. It is going to be on Thursday, August 17th, the evening of Thursday, August 17th, here right in the heart of Orange County in Costa Mesa. If you are interested in attending that and you're in the Southern California area, I would love to get connected with you that evening. It'll be a couple hours uh, that evening here in Costa Mesa, coachingforleaders.com slash Orange County, all one word. If you're interested in attending that, again, coachingforleaders.com slash Orange County. At both meetups, I'll uh, be doing uh, you know a few activities, hopefully. I'll give you a chance to meet other listeners in your local area. I'll be uh, taking some questions about the show and leadership in general, of course. We'll have a lot of fun and give you a chance to build relationships, which is really what the Coaching for Leaders community is all about. So check that out. Uh, again, coachingforleaders.com slash Denver or coachingforleaders.com slash Orange County. Now, in relation to today's conversation, there's some past episodes that I know will be helpful to you in the context of some of the things Bonnie and I mentioned in our answers to the questions. We mentioned Marshall Goldsmith early on in today's conversation on episode number 196. He joined us to talk about his most recent book, Triggers, Creating Behavior That Last. We talked about habits. We talked about some of the things and the concepts uh, that we mentioned in today's episode. That's episode number 196. Goldsmith, probably the top uh, executive coach in the world. Worth checking out that conversation if you haven't already. On episode 217, we talked about the best way to make new habits reality. I'm thinking about Barr's questions in uh, particular here. Uh, Kendra Kinnison was on the show uh, talking about habits and even coaching me on some of my habits. And so if you're thinking about changing your behavior in some way or you want to get better at setting and achieving goals and particularly changing your habits around things, episode 217 is worth a listen. And then also we mentioned Radical Candor again on this episode, episode 302 with Kim Scott, how to challenge directly and care personally. Lots of good details there. Uh, so much in that book that's helpful even beyond what we talked about on the show. Episode 302 is where to go for that. You can access all of those episodes by just going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. That will get you right there with all of the audio, but also all of the resources we've talked about in all of those past episodes. And next week, I'm really pleased to welcome Liz Wiseman to the show. She is joining me to discuss how to handle what she calls the diminishers out there in our professional lives and you know, in our personal lives too. She is the author of the best-selling book, Multipliers, How to Get or rather, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter. It is a best-selling book. It's been out for a while, but she's just released a new and revised version of the book. She's joining me next week. It's a conversation that I think you'll really find valuable. And the interesting thing about diminishers is we all are diminishers, of course, at times. And so we're going to talk about how to navigate that effectively. Thank you so much as well this week to JLS Nada. For the kind review you left on iTunes, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you've been listening to the show for a bit and you haven't yet rated the show or reviewed it on iTunes, it's a huge help. I read all the reviews uh, and it's a big help in continuing to grow our community. Thank you in advance if you've done it before. And if you decide to, go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. Also, a reminder, two more Q&A episodes coming up in the next couple of months. Joe Knight is returning to the show to answer our questions on financial intelligence. 
if you have questions about how to handle the financial parts of being an effective leader in your organization, send in your question. Also, Kwame Christian is going to be joining me to talk about persuasion, dealing with difficult people, and saying no. If you have questions on either of those, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And see you next week for my conversation with Liz Wiseman. Take care.